This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. All right. Well, I I really want to just pour out my heart to you tonight. I feel, um, you know, I've been preaching since I was a little boy, and uh, it's taken me all these years uh, to realize I'm probably never going to get it. And what I mean by get it is I always forget you have to live through what you're going to preach. And so tonight I want to talk to you about that God cares about how you feel. And since since about five minutes into the service, I've been in a, an emotional mess. And I was like, what is wrong with you? But I think it might be that that I'm, I'm focusing on uh, what we've been teaching, uh, that God wants to heal your emotions. Because your emotions cannot lead your life. And God wants to heal your emotions. Too many of you are in a hole that you dug emotionally. And God's wanting to heal your emotions. Now, you must be emotional in life. Because if not, you're kind of lurch. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, you know, you, you've got to be real. And we are created to be emotional beings. But God knows what you're dealing with. God knows what you're going through. And sometimes we're taught... And I think it's the most ridiculous thing. This, let me just say this and I'll pray. If I've ever had to lead you in a, in a funeral, you can testify to this if you can remember that moment. I gather the family and you know how you pray before you go in for the final service. And I make this statement every time. The most ridiculous thing anyone can tell you at this point is be strong. You should not be strong. You were created with emotions, and it's okay to grieve. It's okay. Now, I love when the Holy Spirit's speaking to us. Chad, I love when the Holy Spirit's already going to deal with something before you even know he was going to deal with it. But, Chad, I'm just going to tell on you. He sent me a message. He got, a, he got ahead of the Holy Ghost. Some of you do this sometimes. He sent me a message before service that said, I'm an emotional mess. Tomorrow is the one-year anniversary of his dad's death from COVID. I'm an emotional mess. Some of you around, Chad, there, just James Patrick, I'll let him know you love him. See, God was already dealing with this beforehand because we all have emotions. We all have to deal and process that. And so I'm going to try my best tonight to, to let you know how God cares for you and how you're going to find healing from the things that set you off emotionally. How many of you would agree with me that emotions can, can get you in trouble? Father, I thank you for this evening. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you for your presence. And I thank you for what you're going to do in this house now. I'm just going to follow the Holy Spirit. Lord, as I feel you even stirring my heart uh, before I, I, I even get into this message. You're doing something. You are doing something. And I pray, God, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, that you will clearly 
begin to heal your people tonight. For you've told us this year five areas. You're going to bless our children. Can I get an amen? You're going to bless our finances. You're going to bless our relationships and heal them. My goodness, my goodness. Love the day the Lord allowed me to run into somebody that of a broken relationship. And my wife and I went in and just ministered, and they ministered, and in such love, it was a healing moment. Watch this now. And in our emotions, we've been believing for healing and that we might walk in our calling. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want to read to you a passage that I I, uh, translated this morning. I sent it out to... Uh, some uh, people very close to me, but this is this is uh, from Ephesians four one. I'm going to end up in Isaiah forty, Isaiah forty, but Ephesians four one and four says this in the plowman. Uh, now translation, just translate this today. God had already fallen in love with us before He created the world, viewing us through Christ. God sees us. Without fault. Let me read it to you as a whole now. God had already fallen in love with us before he created the world. Now viewing us through Christ, God sees us without fault. God sees you well emotionally. You may not be there yet, but he sees you well emotionally. See, I think that's what we miss about the scripture. We all feel like here's the 10 steps to where I need to be in God. But if you read the epistles in any depth at all, you understand what Paul reiterates over and over again as he says, you've got to see yourself as the finished product and God's working you toward that. Isaiah 40 verse one reads like this. Your God says to you, Comfort, comfort my people with gentle and compassionate words. Speak tenderly, notice this, from the heart. You gotta share your heart. You can't, you can't share your heart unless you invoke emotion. To revive those in Jerusalem and proclaim that their warfare is over. How many of you would like me to proclaim that over tonight, that the battle's over? Come on, amen. Well, I can tell you it's not over because we're not there yet. But some of them are coming to an end. Some of the things that have pulled you down and pulled you back, when you learn what I'm trying to teach you tonight, those battles are going to come to an end. For her debt of sin is paid for, She will not be treated as guilty. She's forgiven. I mean, thankful you're forgiven. Says, prophesy to her that she has received from the hand of Yahweh twice as many blessings as all her sins. How many would like me to prophesy that over you tonight? That God wants to bless you twice more than your number of sins. How many just feel like, you're like, I don't know if I can contain that. 
Well, see, that's what the scripture says, that he wants to pour out a blessing on you that is pressed down, shaking together, and running over, and that you cannot contain. See, that's what God has in store for your life when you begin to walk in the life that he's called you for. God didn't call you to some life to where you're going to have to live as the pilgrims of the face of this world live, where they've got to go on a walk to try to find some spirituality. They're gonna, they've got to, they've got to beat themselves or fall on their knees every seven steps. God wants you to realize that because he went on a walk that you couldn't go on because he was beaten that in the way that you deserve to be beaten and because he was nailed to a cross come on now you can find who you are in Christ because of what Jesus has already done and because of what he's already done We understand the word says, cast your cares upon the Lord, for he cares for you. See, God cares about how you feel. Throughout the word, it's mentioned over and over again that God cares about how you feel about something. You see, the power, listen to this, this is noteworthy too, the power of intent is celebrated. What are your intentions? Why are you doing what you're doing? Are you worshiping to be seen? Are you trying to check off some kind of a a mystical spiritual check box that says, okay, I did this, this, this. I listened to a guy yell at me for an hour, so I at least ought to have a few days of peace. Come on now. Are you going about your spiritual life with the right intent? For if you do good, listen to what I'm about to tell you, for bad reasons, you have tainted the good. If you do what you do with the wrong intent, and I, I, this is easier than you think, then you taint the good. So I said, well, well, I mean, I, I did exactly what God told me to do, but did you do it the way he told you to do it? Amen. That's a good preaching, preacher. You see, sometimes we become focused with bad intent and we're trying to prove someone wrong by doing good to the one who takes advantage of you. So you're like, the Bible says I have to do good to the one who takes it, who does bad to me, so I'm going to do good to you so that it'll be everybody can see that I'm the one that's right. That's not the intent. The intent is not to show everybody that I'm right. The intent is I do what's right because it's what right. It's right because of who I am in Christ. And because of who I am in Christ, my goodness, I feel the Holy Spirit. Because of who I am in Christ, it dictates what I'm going to do. I'm not doing it to try to prove. Matter of fact, I don't care if anybody sees or not. I still do what's, as a matter of fact, I don't post about it. What good does it do you to post and say, I was nice to my mean neighbor? You were just mean. Come on. I have come to the place to where when I'm looking at an argument, I I told my wife this uh, not too long ago, I've come to the place when I'm looking at two people arguing online. It's not, matter of fact, that just doesn't make sense. It's like sitting on the same couch text arguing. I don't like your tone. 
I didn't speak. But if someone posts about a private disagreement publicly, I believe normally they're the ones that are wrong. Why? That's my belief. It's not, as Paul said, this is me speaking, not the Holy Spirit right now. Because it's the intent behind it. God never wants his children to go do what they do to try to prove themselves right. What we do is to prove the grace of God right, and because he first loved us, we love others. Because he was gracious to us, we are gracious to others. Because he forgave us, we forgive others. Thus we find the prayer that says, Lord, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. It's about the intent. It's like doing works of charity to earn points in your community. Never healthy. Never God's plan. So it's the intent. You see, what motivates you truly determines the outcome of your spiritual practices. I don't care how long you pray. If, you, or if you're praying until you get your way, you better plan on praying for a long time. Because I have found that when I go to prayer, he usually changes who I am. What I think the outcome should be never really matches up with the outcome that he has intended. I mean, there's been a few times that I've been like, Lord, would you get a hold of her heart? She's writing that down. But in that moment, it was not normally because I was in the wrong. It's because she was in the wrong with someone else about something. And because she was struggling about something else, I was praying for her heart. But when it comes to there being a conflict here, I learned spiritually and practically, Lord, change who I am. It's, it's the intent. God, I'm not asking for you to give me my way. I'm asking for you to teach me how to walk your way. You see... When you learn that intent controls the outcome of your spiritual practices, you'll learn, my goodness, I feel the Holy Spirit tonight. At prayer, prayer only works when you don't ask amiss. You see, when I have the wrong intent, I ask amiss. But when I have the right intent, it's like somebody says to me, well, you were preaching right at me. Can I go ahead and tell you, unless you sent me a message, I'm not preaching right at you. It's God preparing the message for you. You know? It's never my intent. As a matter of fact, please don't ever run up to me and tell me about what's wrong with your neighbor who's coming that this one Sunday morning. People will run up to me and go, look, my neighbor's going to be here, and they've got this, 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 and this, this problem. I'm like, stop. Because you just messed up my whole sermon. Because now I know. Before, it was God who knew. Now when they look at you and say, what did you tell him? you either going to lie or you're going to fess up. And they're going to go, well, you told him. But when you look at him, look at them, and they say, what did you tell him? And you go, I didn't. he's in that room. I didn't see him. And they'll say, God read my mail. 
when you pray, if your intent is pure, you're willing for God to change you. This is truth. You're willing for God to change you so that he can change the situation around you. But I've learned that what's happening in you is what controls what happens around you. Praise. Praise is more than music, folks. I'm not motivated just because I like to, to dance. You don't want to see that. I'm not motivated just because I like a good song. My intent is not to, listen to what I'm about to say, because I, I, I grew up in this, not to have church. My intent is to worship the Father and to give him the glory that he deserves. That's my intent. And when he shows up and we get excited, I don't mind. I watched somebody dance the other weekend here. I didn't even know they knew how. I'm not still convinced they know how to dance, but they danced. I've seen them dance. Good. Listen to me. Your service is the intent of your service. I've got a really great example of this one. Jesus gave it. He said there was this prodigal son who went and did all these horrible things, but then there, there was a, a, an older son who did what was right. He got upset because he had the wrong heart about the matter. The father could rejoice more over the one who admitted his wrong than he could over the one who was doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. He said, you're not even paying me any attention. I've been trying to earn your love. And I think that's where we end up with God. We're trying to earn his love. And God says, no, you can't, you can't earn my love. I gave it to you. You can't earn what you already have received. It's a free gift. Am I making sense tonight? I feel that God is speaking to us clearly. And I know maybe this is not my traditional stuff. When I was preparing this message, I, I really felt like God took me back 10 years in, in the way that I studied. And, and I thought, Lord, I don't know what you're doing. But he's like, this is what it's going to take to get this out. And so, so you see, so when you are operating from a place of defeat or pain, God cares and wants you to find comfort so that you can move forward and begin to operate out of a healthy place. Because that's where your wholeness comes from. It's when you never forget and you never start feeling the twinge of pain. But you operate from a place of health, no longer in a festering place of pain. I'll take you to a book. Some of you may have a little trouble finding. It's it's rarely used. It's Zephaniah. Zephaniah. Zephaniah chapter 3. How many thankful for the screen tonight? Come on. Zephaniah. Chapter 3, it's toward the end of the Old Testament. It says this, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. Come on, now watch this. And he will rejoice over you with joyful songs. God cares enough about you. Watch this. To not only will he come in and create the right atmosphere around you, he will then calm your emotions. Listen to this. And then, watch this, he will joyfully sing around you. Why does he joyfully sing? Because your emotions normally listen to your wrong thoughts. 
Have you ever turned down the radio so you could think? Think about that for a moment. I've got a quiet, the noise, so I can hear the thought. And God says, when the thought is hurting you, I'll start singing around you. God's good. It's all about the intent. The intent says, I'm going to create the right. I'll never forget. I had a, a, a dear friend that was, was, was dying with a, a chronic illness and, and, and we were out and part of that was he lost control of his, his esophagus and all. And, and he, was, he became choked while we were having a meal. And, and there was too much salt on the food and, and, it, and it just locked it down. And he, he, I mean, he's, it's, it's severe. I mean, we've got to rescue him. And when we're done, everyone is shocked. Imagine that. You know, I mean, he's dying at the table. Everyone is shocked. And he, he just breaks down and loses it at the table. And we had such a unique relationship. Please, please don't take this wrong. But I just put my arm around him because he was the kind of guy who'd be like, stop whining, you know, stop your whining, look at me. So I just took that and I put my arm around him and I said, raindrops have fallen on my head, you know, just start singing to him. And he just immediately began to brighten up. And when we were laughing and, and the atmosphere was changing, the guy on the other side of him thought he'd join in too. Didn't give a whole lot of thought to the song he was going to pick. And he put his arm around him and went, uh, 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 stay alive. <laughs> and then we all laughed because we were like, uh, you want a little salt on that shoe or foot you just put in your mouth? <laughs> but my goal was to sing to lift the atmosphere because I loved him. Your father's goal is to overcome the voices that are destroying you emotionally and to sing over you. Anybody think we've heard from the Lord tonight? Listen to me. When, when, when we're in Isaiah and he says, comfort, comfort my people, the word here uh, is a Hebrew word, nakum, uh, nakum. And in that word, it contains deep emotion. The emotion of that word is, is compassion. It, it means, it means I want you to emotionally connect to my children. Listen to me. I don't know who needs to get this because the wall needs to fall. The tears sometimes need to flow. I heard someone share one time about the bitterness of a, an adultery uh, situation that ended in a divorce and, and how bitter they were. And it took them, it took them setting a chair out and, and telling that chair their feelings. And they said they blessed that chair out. Over and over again, they poured out emotionally on that chair. Some of you are going, well, that poor chair. 
Well, they could not do it to the person that deserved it, but they knew, listen to me, that the wall was holding back something inside of them that was preventing them from getting to a better place. So they said, just because they won't receive it doesn't mean I don't need to get it out. And so what the word Nahum here means is, I want you to, I want you to connect to my people in such a way that they find it's okay to be real, that they find it's okay to let the emotion out, to let the wall down, to say, you you know what? Life hasn't been fair. You didn't deserve to be hurt the way you were hurt. You didn't deserve the pain that you went through. You did not deserve those things, but that doesn't change the fact that God can still heal you. God can still deliver you. God's still able. Amen. God is good. So to understand why this passage is so important, we have to understand the placement of this passage. One thing you have to understand that Isaiah is a miniature of the entire scripture. Beginning in Isaiah, we find the, the history of the word. And in Isaiah 40, it actually changes the whole tone of the book. Chapters 1 through 39 of Isaiah are much like the New Testament. That begins to be sweeter and sweeter. And the New Testament really, though, bursts forth with chapter 40 to the point that it's believed to be the beginning of the new, the moving forward. It's leading toward the declaration of the Messiah. It's the pre precursor to the chapters on the Messiah. And watch this now. And John the Baptist actually testifies out of Isaiah 40. He says, out of Isaiah 40, he says, verse number 3, he says, listen, listen. Uh, this is Isaiah 40 and 3. He says, listen, it's the voice of someone shouting, clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord, make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Where in Mark 1, 3, it says that speaking of John the Baptist, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. You see, what God was doing was saying, you used to live under this bondage. You used to live under the thought that you had to carry this depression. You had to carry this, 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 this anxiety. You had, I, I feel the Holy Spirit in what I'm telling you. You had to carry all these fears that drive you crazy sometimes, make you do things that you don't know why you do what you do. And you've carried them for 39 chapters. But prepare the way of the Lord, he says. He said, I want you to start prophesying over my people that your emotional Healing is coming. It's coming. Make and prepare the way of the Lord. You see, from this point on, Isaiah changes to the restoration. The latter chapters are become that New Testament begin to declare that we realize that in verse uh, uh, chapter 40 43, it becomes literally called the book of comfort. We find then in Isaiah 44 through 48, the book of Isaiah 49, 57, we find the book of the Messiah, the servant of the Lord. But listen, I'm trying to take you somewhere. Then we find the book of Judah. This is important because Judah always represents praise in the scripture. 
Judah always represents a free-flowing expression of who God is. Let me just tell you, as long as you keep that, that, that pain that you've carried since you were a child bottled up inside of you, then Judah cannot break out of you. So there has to come a time when you realize, you know what, I'm not some kind of messed up person because it hurts me when an anniversary of a death comes. It's I'm not some kind of messed up person because I'm still struggling with fear because of what somebody did to you back years ago. I, look, you didn't deserve that, but what you are is a child that God sent me tonight with a message that said, go prophesy to them. Tell them, I will restore twice more. I will give them a blessing. And Judah, the true worship that God wants to come out of you will break out of you. You see, we come to chapter 58 that after you've learned to worship in spite of your pain, you come to the victory of the bride. Does that make sense to anybody tonight? You see, I feel the Holy Spirit. The victory of the bride, that means she's walking like God called her to walk. Oh, maybe I need to preach that a little more. The church is acting like the church has been called to act. God didn't call me to come into this place and try to look like I've got it all together. He told me, cast your cares upon me for I care for you. God didn't call me to come into this place and act like I'm not hurting when I'm hurting. God called me to come in here and inspire spite of where I am and in spite of what I've been through to let his praise break out of me and then that's where the glorious grace of God begins to be celebrated that says that though I may not have received everything I want and there are promises I'm still waiting for God's still God and God's still good and I'm going to keep walking the way God's called me to walk because I am the victorious bride of Christ why don't you give God a praise like he deserves tonight amen amen God's good. You see, the victory of the bride is what we find. And there, listen to me, there is comfort until the victory arrives. Where are you, how are you gonna, how are you going to find comfort until you get your breakthrough? Here we go, quickly. Knowing that our victory is certain. Knowing that it's mine, not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus has already done. Because of what Christ has done. My job is to simply begin to believe that he's done it, and then as I begin to walk in the faith that he's done it, it will control what I do along the way. You see, for a season it may look like those who are against you are winning, but hold on. For a season... You may feel like you will, uh, like you, you can't win, like you're, you're under a spirit of defeat, but keep pressing forward until you find, listen to me, until you find that the thing that you can't defeat becomes a thing of your past. Some things need to stay in your past. Can I get an amen? amen. Parachute pants need to stay in our past. Come on now. Five years ago, I would have said the mullet needs to stay in our past. Come on now, amen. Come on now, amen. 
But praise God that you can be business in front and party in the back. Come on, amen. Some things need to stay behind you. Why are we laughing? Why are we laughing? Because your pain cannot defeat the joy of the Lord. Stay with me. See, realizing that what I expect the finished product to look like is, is a cheap model of what he's planned for me. You see, acting with the wrong intent is like going and buying something on the dollar aisle at the store hoping it will last and being shocked when you pull the string the first time and it breaks. If you want quality, you're going to have to go the distance. But what do you really need? Sometimes you need a heart-to-heart. Here's what the scripture says. The scripture says, speak tenderly. Speak tenderly from the heart to revive those in Jerusalem. But it's even more than that. that, this This is a phrase that could be translated, speak to the heart to revive it. Either way, what you need is a heart to heart. Listen to me. We must be willing to get real about our weaknesses to find the healing we so desperately need. You don't believe me? You ought to know James 5.16 by now. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayers of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. What a truth. I've got just a few more moments. Let me just give you a little bit more. Tonight, what you need is a heart-to-heart. You need to find people who are further along in the healing process than you are and have a heart-to-heart with them. I didn't say find fellow misery. I said find somebody who's already walking in healing. And what you need to have, a heart-to-heart, here's the definitions of a heart-to-heart, here are the requirements of a heart-to-heart. A discussion that is honest and open without any attempt to hide emotions. It's okay to be hurting. God just told me to hurry. I'm going to hurry. I'm, the reason he told me to hurry, he said, hurry, because you need to pray for him. Always, these heart-to-hearts are sincere. You can't expect somebody to be real with you if you're not being real with them. And heart-to-hearts always help you put into words how you feel. This is how I feel. You need to be okay saying, this is how I feel. Here is why the condition of your heart and how you're viewing your situation and how viewing yourself is so important because, listen to what I'm about to tell you, our race begins at the finish line. 
Listen to me. Romans 6, 5 says this. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. That's going to happen. But we know that our old sinful selves were what? What? Help me. Were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. This doesn't say we won't be slaves to sin. It says we have been crucified. You see, the work is done. What I need to do is begin to run the race from a finished work. For when we died, when we died with Christ, we were set free. Somebody go, I just want to get free from this. What you're doing is abandoning your freedom to go back into your bondage, not trying to get to your freedom from your bondage. You're abandoning your freedom to get into your bondage. What God wants you to see is the blood of Jesus Christ declares that you are free. Stop going back. Leave some things in your past where they belong. We must see ourselves with Christ, changed by his grace, free from what once held us back. We approach our walks as steps to remove what hinders us from being a Christian. But to be a Christian, we must remember that we are a Christian, and as a Christian, we need to leave some things behind. It is all in how you look at it. Listen to me carefully. How you look at yourself is a reflection of how you see the work of Christ in you. If you see yourself as unfinished, you see Jesus' work as unfinished. Can I give you scripture? Once and for all time, he was crucified. Once. You see, he doesn't have to go back to the cross every time you fail. One time he went to the cross. One time, he my goodness, he did the work. One time he chose you and died for you. One time. You see, God didn't change his mind and he hasn't messed up. And just because you messed up does not change the work that Jesus Christ did because it's a completed work that he finished. When he declared it is finished, he declared two things. In, in, in Tetelestai in the Greek, it is finished. But in the Aramaic, which he was actually speaking, he declared, I see you for who you really are. That's what he said. So what he said is now I can see who you are. I have finished the work and I see who you are and it doesn't change the fact that the work is done because of who you are. I see who you are and I still finish the work. And because I saw who you were and I still finish the work, the work's already done in you and we're going to get you to where you need to be. God's good. Well, in conclusion, prophesy. Say prophesy. She has received from the hand of Yahweh twice as many blessings as all her sins. Twice as many blessings. The Hebrew phrase here leaves a little bit of latitude in the translation. It's like a local phrase. This literally was a, was a local uh, Galilean phrase. And, and, and it could mean they will, that they will receive twice what they have lost. That the years the enemy has robbed you because of your emotional bondage, because of your pain, he will give you twice what you have lost. It's referring to Job 42.10 when he received twice what the enemy stole from him. His favor and mercy are always triumphant over judgment. God's grace will give us back more than sin took from us. Just stand with me tonight. I'm going to read some word over you. If someone, the scripture tells us if somebody steals from you in Exodus 22, 4 and 7, it says that, that, that it must be returned in a double 
a double. There must be compensation for double value of what has been stolen. In Isaiah 61 and 7, it says, instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double share of honor. You will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land, and everlasting joy shall be yours. In other words, he's saying, instead of being an emotional nightmare, joy is coming to your house. Could you imagine if you were twice as joyful as you have been in pain? Zechariah 9, 12. It says, come back to the place of safety. Well, I feel the Holy Spirit. If you need prayer tonight while I'm reading this passage, I want you to just begin to come. If you want God to begin to heal your heart, I want you to just begin to come from where you're at. Come from where you are. Zechariah chapter 9, verse number 12. says, come back to the place of safety. All you prisoners who still have hope, I promise this very day. Listen to what he's saying. I promise you right now that I will repay two blessings for each of your troubles. Hmm. I feel the Holy Ghost. If you need prayer, you need to quickly join us in this altar. I want prayer warriors behind each of these as fast as possible. Come quickly, come quickly. Judy, begin to pray. I'm going to lay hands on a few of them. We're going to begin to pray in the Holy Spirit there. I want you to pray uh, or praise and worship for just a moment as we're praying over these. And I want your help praying for them. Because, my goodness, because I'm telling you, I told you in the beginning, did not even realize it, that there's, a, there's something that's going to pull you into a flow. And the flow just came to us from Zechariah chapter 9 that says, today the blessing starts. Today the healing begins. Today. Shh. Go ahead and start worshiping. Go ahead and start worshiping. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.